Psalm 22 um, of David. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel raises. In you, our ancestors put their trust, they trusted, and you delivered them. You, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Lachlan, I turn it over to you. Well, uh, welcome everyone again to Bible Shots Online. Uh, and I don't know about you, but uh, as measures to control the spread of coronavirus continue and look set to continue for the next several months, uh, I got to start wondering how bad is isolation going to get? Um, as our isolation continues for another week, uh, I think it's starting to give us glimpses of what we're really like. Uh, some people have actually been getting insights into a side of their partner that they hadn't seen before. Uh, some of these are more humorous, like Twitter posts where people have been shocked by what their partner was like in the workplace. Uh, one person said, I was shaken when I realised my wife was the just one more question person at the end of meetings. Uh, or the woman who said, I learnt he was the guy who says, okay, well, we'll hammer, that out, uh, hammer out the details when I ping you about this later. And I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, we start getting insights into uh, different parts of ourselves. We're only a few weeks in, but even for those of us who haven't been hit really hard yet, we are starting to feel the strain. And it makes me wonder how bad is isolation going to get? Because there's reports on the more serious consequences of isolation. John Allen, uh, uh, who's the head of uh, uh, psychiatry, uh, psychiatrist society in Australia and New Zealand, uh, said that widespread media reporting on coronavirus pandemic, uh, our changing daily circumstances, uncertainty about the future, all these things are giving rise to heightened individual and community anxiety. And that even doesn't factor in the reality of job loss and sickness and non-corona challenges that continue. It sounds like isolation could get pretty bad. So, as we're approaching the Easter long weekend where followers of Jesus remember his death and resurrection, it wouldn't surprise me if this year in particular, Jesus' words on the cross might resonate with you. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Perhaps you've thought, yeah, uh, I've been wondering that myself. Uh, perhaps they've struck a chord of anger. Yeah, where is God? Uh, or perhaps they've made you wonder if God even exists. Uh, one ABC reporter was credited as saying, with the bushfires and the floods and now coronavirus, 2020 is looking like the year that God forgot. I wouldn't be surprised if you've thought something similar. And even if Jesus' words are a bit of an overstatement for your current situation, I think a lot of us are still wondering how bad is isolation going to get? Now, this might seem like a bit of an odd claim, but I actually think Jesus' words on the cross my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Offer us real hope and comfort in the middle of dark times. And I think that's what we're going to see as we look at the Bible together now. Uh, 
just in case you've joined us since uh, Russ's welcome, let me welcome you to Bible Shots, or perhaps I should say uh, thank you for welcoming us as Bible Shots into your uh, living room or study or wherever it is that you are uh, working or taking a break from work uh, today. We're glad to be to have you joining us and to be joining you. Uh, and we're at the end of our series, Working Through Psalms, uh, our series songs of the heart but we're also heading into easter and so this week we're going to consider jesus words on the cross and psalm 22 and what they contribute to an answer to the question how bad can isolation get and we're going to do this in two big chunks uh, the first chunk we're grappling with can god be trusted that's where we're going to do most of our heavy lifting and thinking through the passage and second we're going to think about jesus and isolation at Easter, where we start thinking about what this passage has to say to us today. And we should be done uh, within about 20 minutes. So first off, can God be trusted? Uh, well, I've already suggested that Jesus' words actually offer hope and comfort. But that might sound wrong. After all, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Doesn't exactly sound like the sort of phrase you're going to put on a motivational poster. But as we read the account of Jesus' crucifixion, it actually points us to Psalm 22, a famous poem written about a thousand years before Jesus. And the Bible wants us to think of Psalm 22 as the key to understand what Jesus means when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, so just to prove that I'm not making things up, uh, first is the fact that Jesus quotes the opening line of the psalm. Uh, quoting famous lines can imply more than just the famous line itself. You know, if someone quoted once more into the breach from Shakespeare's uh, Henry V, uh, it implies a need to keep fighting in tough conditions and that actually victory is within grasp here. Uh, we could yet achieve this. Quoting the opening line of Psalm 22 uh, suggests we should be thinking through more than just the words Jesus has spoken. But there's other links too. Uh, Jesus' biographers have observed details about what was going on when Jesus was crucified that had particular resonance with Psalm 22. So for example, uh, Psalm 22 verse 18, uh, David says, they divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. Uh, Jesus' follower Matthew records that when the Roman soldiers had crucified him, they divided up his clothing by casting lots, Matthew 27, 35. Psalm 22, 7, David says, all who see me mock me. They hurl insults at me, shaking their heads. And Matthew records, those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads, 27, 39. David also remembers in verse 8, he trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. And Matthew records, the teachers of the law and elders mocked him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. And finally, the image of Psalm 22 also has a correlation with what happened when someone was being crucified. At Psalm 22:16, a pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. Jesus and his biographers want us to understand what Jesus means by understanding Psalm 22 where uh, the key to understanding that Jesus offers hope and comfort when everything appears hopeless is to understand Psalm 22, where David, the author, faces a situation where everything has fallen apart and it looks like God has abandoned him. 
Uh, now, David is a special character in the Bible. We need to be careful about how we connect David's experience and our own, but we will get there. But God had made David particular promises uh, that he would be king and that one of his descendants would also be king and would be king forever. But whatever's happening to David is calling into question God's promises and whether or not he can be trusted. And as you read through Psalm 22, it's, it's almost like there's a, a boxing match going on. In the blue corner is what the Bible teaches and what David has believed about God. God is powerful. He rescues his people. He gives life and is trustworthy. Verse three, you are enthroned as the Holy One. Verse four, in you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. Or verse nine, you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. David believes that God is powerful, that he's rescued his people in the past and that he's trustworthy. He believes that it's God who gave him life and has given David reason to trust God since he was a child. And if you're a follower of Jesus, there's some fairly standard things that the Bible teaches about God. In the blue corner is the belief that God is powerful. He rescues his people. He gives life and is trustworthy. But in the red corner is David's current experience. And it's pretty bleak. Uh, David is suffering. Uh, he's suffering externally from things outside himself. Verse six, I'm scorned by everyone, despised by the people. Verse 16, dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. My bones are on display. They divide my garments among them. Things are happening to him and it's vicious. It's terrible. But he's also suffering internally. My heart, verse 14, has turned to wax. It has melted within me. David's suffering at the hands of forces outside his control. And if that wasn't enough, it looks like he's incredibly anxious as well. And there's one more thing that weighs into David's experience. He recognises that God is still in control of everything that's happening to him. The end of verse 15, you lay me in the dust of death, speaking to God. The situation David's describing, it, it's not like uh, when a parent looks away from their kid down at the park for a few seconds only to have them fall off the equipment. It's not like God was just distracted for a moment and suddenly everything fell apart. No, everything's awful and David knows God is still in control. It's no wonder God feels distant despite the fact that David believes that God is powerful to save and rescue, despite the fact that David has trusted God since he was a child, he's suffering terribly. Why? Why is God letting this sort of thing happen? No wonder David's asking, why have you forsaken me? So the question is, who will win this boxing match between the blue corner and the red corner, between what God has said he's like and David's current experience will david trust what god says about himself or does his experience prove that god either isn't there or can't be trusted what would you do in david's shoes well as david thinks about what god has said in the bible as he considers what god has done in the past he continues to trust god he actually prays throughout Psalm 22. Uh, 
Uh, he prays in verse 11, do not be far from me for trouble is near and there is no one to help. And then uh, in verses 19 to 21, he says, do not be far from me. Come quickly to help me, deliver me, save me, rescue me. David continues to pray. He keeps trusting God, but it isn't blind faith. David isn't just trusting God because, oh, well, whatever. David has been thinking about what God has done in the past. He's remembering the evidence that God has proven trustworthy. We aren't going to unpack it now, but then from verse 22 onwards, we see that David sees he was right to keep trusting God. God does rescue him. So when David cries, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's actually the cry of a person in a terrible situation who is nevertheless holding on to the fact that God is powerful, that he rescues his people, that he gives life, and he is trustworthy. Well, that's the heavy lifting of looking at Psalm 22 done. But how does this help us think about Jesus and isolation at Easter? Well, first, I think it highlights that as Jesus was isolated, hanging on the cross, we are being shown that he had the same attitude David did. When Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There is real anguish in his words. But it's anguish that keeps holding on to the fact that God is in control, that God is good and he can be trusted to fulfill his promises. You see, in that sense, Jesus is an example for his followers. Even as he was enduring the agony of the cross, people insulting him, moments away from death, Jesus kept trusting God. As we face our own trials and struggles, Jesus is an example for his followers to imitate. But Jesus is also much more than an example. He's also the source of what God has promised us, and he's the reason we can keep trusting God today. See, Jesus' death on the cross, it didn't catch him by surprise. In fact, he taught his disciples on numerous occasions he was going up to Jerusalem to die. And in fact, he was going up to die as a ransom for many. Jesus taught that he was going to die in the place of others. See, when Jesus was teaching, he diagnosed the human condition. He taught that each of us has a heart problem, a problem at the core of our being, a problem that leaves us isolated from God cut off from the source of life and blessing and instead facing his judgment. Now, sometimes that heart problem is obvious. We can see it and know it's there. Murder, theft, adultery. We see those things and we know they're wrong. But Jesus highlighted things that we might not think of as such a big deal show we have the same heart problem. Anger, greed, lusting after someone, these things show that we still have the same heart problem. And I wonder if you've noticed your heart problem in the midst of coronavirus and isolating, 
you know, have you felt the urge to hoard more than you need so that you won't be inconvenienced, even though it means others might be going without? Have you felt like you're above the restrictions in place to help slow the spread of the virus, to help protect the sick and the vulnerable? Have you gotten snappier and more frustrated at people in your house as their presence adds to the inconvenience and frustrations of being stuck at home? I felt those things and I've seen people acting them out. At one level, they might not be huge things, but they do point to the heart problem that we all have. And it's a problem that means we are all in line to face God's just judgment which is far worse than any prolonged period of isolation. We often like to think of ourselves as good people, and it's just that occasionally circumstances might make us act out of character, sort of an aberration. But the Bible says, no, those are the times we see what's really inside us. It's kind of like if you were carrying dirty motor oil around in a nice jug. You know, it looks nice and clean on the outside, but it's when it gets bumped that's what's inside spills out. And you see that what's inside isn't a nice refreshing glass of water, but actually dirty motor oil that's just going to make a mess. Jesus taught each of us has a heart problem, a problem at the core of our being. It's a problem that leaves us isolated from God, cut off from the source of life and blessing instead facing death and his judgment. But Jesus also taught that when he dies, he would be dying as a ransom for many. He was dying the death that we deserved. He would be isolated from God's goodness and blessing and taking on God's judgment in our place. You see, God promised David he would be king, but God promises us that if we follow Jesus, we don't need to fear his judgment. Or anger at our sin because Jesus took that punishment, that judgment in our place when he died on the cross, which means that even when we're facing times that are dark and terrible that might cause us to question if God is there, followers of Jesus can look to the cross and remember that they haven't been promised a perfect and trouble-free life now. In fact, we've been told to expect there will still be problems, to not expect to be spared the trials and tribulations that everyone else around us faces if you are a follower of Jesus. But we have been promised eternal life with God and that we don't need to fear his judgment. So followers of Jesus can look to the cross and know that God loves them so much that he sent his son to die in their place. And so as followers of Jesus wrestle with the reality of the experiences they're having and the claims of God's trustworthiness, they can look to the cross and remember God is trustworthy. Well, we've considered Jesus' words on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we've seen there is good reason to trust God, even in the midst of terrible situations. But I think as we look at Psalm 22, it also gives followers of Jesus a robust framework for coping in the midst of terrible situations. Now, you know, I could be wrong about this, but I suspect the major coping strategy that a lot of people are using uh, at difficult times generally, but now in particular, is ultimately to ignore the problem. Uh, whether it's through throwing yourself into work, uh, online shopping, exercise, drinking, or something else, 
I suspect a lot of people are doing their best to just ignore the difficulties and the pains of the reality we are facing. Now, you know, working, shopping, exercise, in the right context, these are all good things and it is nice to have a mental break. But notice that hiding from the problem, ignoring it, is not what David did in Psalm 22. It's not what Jesus did on the cross. He faced the depth of what was distressing him and really wrestles with it. If you are feeling anxious, if you are doing it tough, if you feel like God has forsaken you, I think Psalm 22 shows us that followers of Jesus don't need to pretend that we feel like everything's fine. We can take those things that are distressing us and stressing us and causing us all sorts of pain and grief. In fact, we should take them to God. If you are distressed and feel like God has abandoned you, acknowledge that. Talk to God about that. But at the same time, remember what God has done for us and has promised us that he sent his son to die in our place to restore us to him. If you aren't a follower of Jesus, what a great time this is to consider who Jesus claimed to be and the evidence for it. And if he is indeed worth trusting. Uh, when we get to Q&A time, uh, Russ and I can talk through uh, some of the ways that you might uh, want to do that through City Bible Forum. Uh, but to finish off, let's return to the question that we started uh, today with. How bad can isolation get? Well, in terms of the current crisis, we don't know. We can't know. From pay drops to loss of employment, from sickness to death, we don't know what the short-term impact will be. We don't know how bad the current isolation uh, and coronavirus crisis will get, even though there have been glimmers of hope uh, announced by the New South Wales Premier today of the end of restrictions. But looking at Jesus' words through the lens of Psalm 22 has reminded us that because of the cross, uh, the bigger problem of our sin isolating us from God and facing his judgment has been dealt with through the cross of Jesus. And no matter how dark the season we are going through, we can trust that God is powerful, that he rescues people, that he gives life, and that he is trustworthy. Thanks, Russ. All right. So the, um, the first question would be, I think it was back on uh, looking at verse 6 of Psalm hmm. 22, is the fact that David was saying he's a worm. I'm assuming that's where it came from is that uh, they had a question, um, do I have to be self-deprecating to be a Christian or to be a follower of Jesus? Yeah, so if the question, do I have to be self-deprecating to be a follower of Jesus? Uh, I, in the way that, J that David is saying, I, you know, I'm a worm, not a man, uh, I don't think it means we you know, need to be uh, you know, uh, unnecessarily servile and, uh, and always heaping, um, uh, you know, oh, I'm, I'm terrible, I'm not worthy expressions on ourselves. I don't think that's uh, what it's doing. I think what David is doing there is it gets the expression of how he's feeling. Uh, the fact that everything, all these people are uh, mocking him, uh, uh, harming him. I think that's what he feels like. He, the situation he's in uh, is a just, it's a description of, of what he is going through. Um, so I don't think uh, Christians are, are required to, uh, you know, see themselves as less than human. I think this is David saying this is what his current experience is. Uh, but Christians, followers of Jesus, are called uh, to be humble, uh, to actually 
lower them. Humble is, is sort of a, a, an ancient word that means bringing yourself down instead of proud, you know, lifting yourself up. Uh, and followers of Jesus are called to actually uh, lower themselves down and lift others up by seeking the good of others. Uh, it doesn't mean, uh, you know, you're always saying, yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full, sir. I think it means we actually use what God has given us uh, for the good of others. Uh, so we're not just about building ourselves up, but actually trying to uh, lift up others as well. So not about being uh, uh, servile and, you know, I'm less than human, um, but about uh, lowering ourselves down uh, rightly, like Jesus did. Uh, uh, when Paul writes to the Philippian Christians, uh, he uses Jesus in it as an example. Uh, he was uh, he was with God, and uh, but he didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. Instead, uh, he took on human form and died on the cross for us, so that we uh, could become rich. We could be forgiven and become God's children. Uh, he used what he had to love and serve others. And I think that's the model that's held out for followers of Jesus. Should we focus on the gospel only in these kind of COVID-19 times, or should we also push towards or encourage people to look for other aids and other things that, that should be able to get them the help that they need, um, definitely while they're trying to cope or kind of go through all these difficult times? Yeah, uh, so I, I'm assuming that um, the, if the question is asking, should Christians only be concerned about pushing the Bible uh, and, and saying, here, let's read the gospel together, uh, as opposed to caring for people's material needs, uh, then no, I, I think they both go hand in hand. Uh, followers of Jesus are called to uh, actually love the people who are around us and, and seek to meet their needs as we can. Uh, but that is never uh, separate from the gospel message. I think if followers of Jesus are going to want to do those things together. So I, I think it would be a, an insufficient response to say, I'm just caring for people's material needs and not looking to share the hope that we have in Jesus. I think that would be a, a sub-Christian answer. Uh, but to say, I'm only going to try and share the gospel with people and I don't care about the, the difficulties that they're going through uh, and, and actually loving them particularly if I have the capacity to do something about that, I don't think that's a, a, a great Christian response either. Uh, I think both, uh, both will be going hand in hand, if, that, if that's what the question uh, is asking. Sure, and I think that's it. Uh, no, one, no one's responded otherwise, so I think that's probably kind of what, what, what we're looking for. Well, we're coming to the close of our time, Lachlan, and um, I mean, we're gonna probably send around some uh, opportunities for feedback, but I didn't know, if you said that normally we take some time off at this point, but we're going to keep plugging on, aren't we? What's yeah. going on next week? So, uh, so yes, I haven't had a chance to update the website yet, but uh, what we are doing, normally we would now be saying Easter break, a couple of weeks off, enjoy holidays, we'll see you in two weeks' time. But given that everything has been uh, so disrupted, we thought actually it might be really beneficial for people if we kept uh, doing something. And over the next two weeks, we're doing a, a Corona coping kit. Uh, so we've arranged two speakers who are going to be speaking on two different topics uh, particularly relevant as we seek to uh, as we seek to cope in this different environment. Uh, next week we have uh, Peter Orr, who is not a relation, although I like telling people uh, that he <laughs> is my uh, um, uh, he is my uh, unofficial dad. Um, he's going to be speaking to us about uh, a key virtue for uh, a time of isolation, and that is gentleness, which I found kind of surprising because I wouldn't have thought that was the 
first virtue to think of if you are thinking, yeah, what do, what do I work on at this time? What will help me get through this situation? But he thinks gentleness is a really important virtue. Uh, and so next week, we're going to hear him uh, talking about gentleness from the Bible. And the week after that, we're going to have Simon Gillam speaking about culture shock. Uh, he was a former missionary with Namibia uh, and culture shock is one of the big things he's trained for and helped people who are also going to work overseas uh, prepare for. And he reckons as a country, we are currently going through a state of culture shock. Uh, and so he's going to explain that a little bit, offer some tips of what sort of things we can do uh, and think about how does the Bible tie in and help us in those situations. So two weeks uh, that are kind of standalone talks, but are uh, two coping with Corona uh, two parts of our Coping with Corona kit, uh, and we'd really love for you to join us. It'll be the same time, uh, same channel, same means of communication, uh, so I'll be uh, sending out the email. All right. Well, thanks so much, Lachlan. We really appreciate it. And uh, also, so kind of look out for that email and the details going up. We hope that you all have a great weekend, even though you'll all be staying home. Um, we encourage that, too, uh, just to be able to kind of help with this whole scenario, but also we hope that this message is really an opportunity for you to uh, uh, really kind of start off and getting ready for the Easter holiday and Easter weekend. And if you have any other questions, uh, please go to citybibleforum.org, uh, send us any questions that you may have, um, and also we hope to see you all next, uh, back next week. Thanks again, and see you next, see you next week. Thanks. Thanks, Russ. Thanks, everyone. Great to have you here.